Back with another episode of a Pats Beat Pats Daily Collab. Three in a row on the third day of the Senior Bowl with three best buds. There we go. Three threes. <laughs> uh, so before we get into the last day of Senior Bowl practices, obviously the game is on Saturday, but this was the last day of practices. One thing we haven't gotten to talk about yet is Jeremy Springer, former Rams assistant special teams coach, is now the Patriots special teams coach. I haven't seen the title as coordinator which is what they usually go with. Even last year, it was Joe Judge and uh, Cam Acord were co-special teams coordinators, but he's a special teams coach. We don't know what's going to happen with Joe Judge or Cam Acord, whether one or both of them might stay on the staff in some capacity probably means the end of their tenures. But uh, guys, what do you think about the hire? Yeah, it's an interesting hire. I know a lot of people will point to the Rams' lack of success on special teams last year. I think they were 32nd in DVOA. 31st in uh, uh, PFF. What I would say to that is special teams more than any other unit. Uh, it's easy to kind of jump to the top, or I shouldn't say easy to jump to the bottom, but there, there's a lot more variance there. It's it's a lot more common to see somebody go from, you know, ranked in the 30s to ranked in the single digits or vice versa. You can have massive swings, and the Rams were working with uh, a group that, I mean, they had 20-something UDFAs last year. It was a lot of just rookies and guys without really a ton of experience. Team. So, <clears throat> look, that all being said, hiring a guy off the worst special teams unit in the league, uh, it's definitely, if you want to question that decision, it's definitely a fair decision to question. Uh, I, I I don't think hiring him alone means that they'll automatically be 32nd. Again, it wasn't even his unit, but you 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 have no option but to look at the group he came from and it wasn't a great group yeah i mean reading a little bit about him getting into him a little bit more you, the big things seem to be like energy right like there was that article going around from during his time at the university of arizona where he was talking the two biggest things to him are energy and passion so it seems like from a personality standpoint kind of on that same level as gerard mayo right those are two words we hear with him a lot and He's another one of these younger guys. I think he's 35 next mm -hmm. month, so still getting to this younger staff. He comes from the McVay culture, which they seem to be interested in. So it's an intriguing hire, but now let's see how it translates onto the field And because you, know, you, you need a better performance than what you've got here recently, and you can't be 32nd in DVOA like the Rams were last year. So we'll, we'll kind of wait and see there. And I know that Jordan Rodriguez, the athletic, obviously does a phenomenal job covering the Rams for them. She pointed out uh, during last offseason when Chase Blackburn, former Giants linebacker, you remember him as the guy who uh, got the interception against Gronk down the seam in the Super Bowl. He was hired as the main special teams coach. And uh, yeah, exactly. And they um, as she was saying that the Rams were excited to get him back in the fold. They saw him as an up and coming coach and that uh, they really did like him there. So he hasn't gotten to lead a unit in the NFL yet. We haven't seen that. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do when he's the guy in charge because, again, he was just an assistant special teams coach, wasn't the main guy. Uh, but, yeah, this is like a lot of things with the Patriots this offseason. We're going to have to wait and see because as much as we want to jump to conclusions and as much as you know that's a big part of football culture these days, we really don't know until we know. Moving on to the Senior Bowl, day three. Any overarching thoughts, guys? Last day of practice. Yeah, I it definitely uh, felt a little looser as as guys start to wrap it up. But I think the the big lesson this week was, at least at the top of the draft, the positions we thought were going to be strong or strong. Now, quarterback maybe didn't quarterbacks didn't have the best week, but the top three guys weren't there, and that position is all as always is kind of its own thing. But I think you had a really good week from the wide receivers. I think you had a really good week. It, it, it's rare you come away and say both the offensive and defensive linemen were really good, but I, I, it does kind of feel true. And I think, you know, another 
sneaky need for the Patriots, and this is more of a day three need, but that doesn't make it not a need as corner. And I think you maybe saw a guy or two that could potentially uh, be a lock there. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yep. Kind of felt like a uh, early day of Pat's camp today, right? Working a lot of that low red zone in the red area. And yeah, the intensity seemed a little dialed back today as, you know, you had guys sitting out and a couple guys went down with injuries today too, which was, which was tough to see. But uh, yeah, as they put the final touches on for this game Saturday here. I love how they ended it with the big men catching some touchdowns. Also, was shocked. I was like cutting them up and trying to take out all the guys who dropped because I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. I think there was only like three guys who actually dropped passes. It was it was really impressive. We got some. I mean, just goes to show how freaky athletic defensive linemen are getting these days. Uh, But yeah, definitely more of a laid back practice uh, today. So, I guess uh, in terms of positions. Let's go with quarterbacks first. You know, again, wasn't it a crazy day? I didn't think anybody swung one way or the other too drastically. Um, I guess the guy who stood out most to me was Spencer Rattler. Had two gorgeous back shoulder throws uh, to Jamari Thrash. One he caught, the other one unfortunately slipped through his hands and bounced off his face mask. Uh, But I thought Rattler looked solid in team drills, didn't make any glaring mistakes. I, I Really, I think the entire weekend, you know. He was yeah, so-so the first day. Yesterday I thought he was good, and today I thought he stacked together another pretty good practice. Yeah, I, I he, he's definitely been impressive. Again, I think we talked about this yesterday. I, I think the things that he does well are going to translate to this setting, whereas the issues you have with him aren't necessarily going to be exposed in something like this. It's, it's size and it's off-the-field issues. So mm-hmm. he was good today. He probably had the best week pound for pound of any of the quarterbacks. I thought Michael Penix had a nice day. Uh, made that one really nice throw rolling to his left, hitting Luke McCaffrey in the back of the end zone. It was a nice catch, too. Uh, just mm-hmm. a, a really good connection. That's By the time you get to day three, you see these guys maybe start to develop a little bit of chemistry. But, yeah, I, I thought Rattler was fine this week. I Definitely better than I expected. I think, though, by com- he looked better than he may have been just by comparison because mm-hmm. you had a lot of other quarterbacks really struggle. Yeah, I, I thought he put a good good week together, right? The Big thing we said with him coming in was his decision making, and he had that interception on day one, which wasn't great. But the rest of the week, uh, I thought was pretty clean. Uh, Penix had that nice, you know, connection with yeah. it was McCaffrey, I think, in, in the back of the <laughs> yeah. end zone, yeah. rolling around. So he had some nice throws. 
Bo Nix was all right again, I thought. Just like he had a few nice ones in the low red area there. Yeah, he underthrew a couple like, passes today. Yeah, though, and then a few in the red had one on the fade. Yeah. 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 So he, he was still just, just kind of up and down. But yeah, I think like fine is the word to describe all the quarterbacks just kind of throughout the week. Nothing, nothing too special and, it's, you know, just fine. Well, the one guy we got some variance on was Joe Milton, who mm-hmm. yesterday we, we talked about it. He hit that slant and it's the tight window and it's like, hey, his arm strength is going to allow some of these windows to be available to him that aren't available to other quarterbacks. And I think some people hear that and get all excited. And today you saw the flip side of it because he tried that again and he threw it right to Jackson Sermon, the linebacker Didn't even from see Cal, him. Who, Didn't even well, see him. Right. Which, by the way, Sermon had a good week. Sermon it mm-hmm. was around the ball a ton and, you know, sixth, seventh round guy. But you want to kind of bring in somebody who can give you some depth, play some special teams. I like Sermon. But, yeah, you saw the flip side of Joe Milton where, yes, more windows are going to be available to him mm-hmm. than not. But he takes that sometimes the green light to test any window, even away. I mean, that was a wall more than a window that he tested <laughs> and just again threw it right to Sermon from point blank. Uh, and that's the kind he had avoided that kind of play all week. But that's the kind of play when you look at his tape, there's a few, and they're not all intercepted, but there's a few too many of those where he just you see what he's trying to do, but he shouldn't be trying to do it. It's not even like, oh, I wonder what he saw and you know, maybe he saw it. No, it's like Nope, he just thought he could fire the ball in there, and he couldn't, and that's why he's a day three pick. And you don't want to fall into the trap of, like, drafting the person instead of the athlete. Like, there has to be, you know, mostly the athlete and then complimentary if they're, you know, have a good personality. I did think it stood out, like, any time they showed Milton talking to teammates, listening to coaches, I thought it stood out just how attentive he was as a listener and also how well he communicated. There was one, I think it was actually on the interception, he went over and communicated to a couple of receivers who I don't think understood the play call or something like that. Um, so in terms of, like, just people, um, obviously, you know, Michael Penix Jr., everybody knows he's a fantastic leader, but I really thought Joe Milton is someone I didn't know a ton about before this process. I thought he really stood out in that way. And Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, I thought it was funny that he had an almost identical team period to yesterday. A bunch of short, quick incompletions, a scramble for positive yardage, and then just two ugly downfield throws where he really wasn't even close. Like, we know he's not, you know, one of the premier names or anything like that, probably not going to go until day three. But I just thought it was funny that it it was almost the exact same type of performance in the low red zone. Uh, We're going to move on, get to some offensive tackles, some wide receivers, some other positions as well. But first, a quick word from our sponsors at FanDuel. We'll be back. All right, so let's move on to the wide receivers. This was a day where some guys sat out. Uh, obviously, Roman Wilson didn't play today. Ricky Pearsall, our boy, handled business. He said, yeah, I had a good couple of days. I'm going to sit out, wait till the actual game, not get myself hurt. That was pretty smart. Um, but unfortunately, Jacob Cowing, later in the day, I believe he did suffer an injury, had trouble walking. They had to bring the card out. Obviously, hope he's all right. Um, but what did you guys think about today? I thought that uh, Lad McConkey just – continued to show why he was the maybe the best guy um in the class in terms of the people that were at the senior poll those red zone reps i posted a compilation on uh, twitter where just all four reps dude could not be covered guys could barely get their hands on him i think there was after the third rep i just started to laugh because i'm like this is just not fair it's not even necessarily bad coverage he's just so good at setting guys up and just having them kind of have no idea where he's going so i thought he was probably the biggest winner of the day from this group 
almost took Matt Groh out too there. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Got a front row seat, Adam. He was talking to a Georgia scout too, or Georgia staffer or something it looked like too. But I mean, yeah, those drills are made for Lad McConkey, right? Just that yeah. quickness, that stop start ability. He's awesome. I don't I could see him working his way into the top forty here during come April. So he was awesome. You mentioned uh Taylor Jamari Thrash. I thought, you know, he had a good Good first two days, but today he kind of put it t- all together. He had those, you know, back shoulder fades in the end zone. So uh, th- those were impressive. And another injury, I saw Xavier Leggett went down today. Someone said he was dealing with some uh, some ankle soreness throughout the week, and he tried to test it early, and he didn't. He did come back on the sideline in, like, street clothes, so maybe not as serious as, like, Jacob Cowings looked, but just something else to monitor as we kind of go through this process here. Yeah, I thought uh, McConkey had a very good day. I thought Jamari Thrash finally, like, like you said, t- uh, when he just said he he had like a good first couple days, but today was really the day that I thought he broke through and showed you what he's capable of. He had that one contested catch in the front corner of the end zone. I don't remember who threw it, but uh, and then speaking of contested catch, Brendan Rice had a great contested catch yeah. over Cam Hart, and then he moves well for a guy that's six, three, he did some other stuff on the goal line in terms of some in and out routes, uh, some double move routes that I, you don't usually see from a guy that size. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be really interested to see what he tests, how he tested the combine. What he, I haven't seen the tracking date on him in terms of miles per hour, but seeing what he runs at the combine is going to be interesting. Cause I feel like he's one of those, he doesn't look like just watching him run. He doesn't look fast, but I see how, he's moving compared to other players. Like he's definitely moving faster than I think he is. I don't know if it's because he's big or he has long legs or whatever, but definitely showed some good shiftiness today. And, and another guy that kind of like thrash where he was pretty good the first two days. Like I, he didn't stand out either of the days, but he wasn't bad. He was just kind of there taking care of business. I thought today he had the standout day. I thought today he had the day where he put his stamp on it and, you know, was one of the best players on the field. It happened to be his dad was there today. It's a correlation causation. I don't know, but. Hey, you hope it's got something to do with it. He was like, hey, I got to show out for Pops, and he did. Big stage. Honestly, especially, I was thinking about this. The Pats, when you look at what their needs are, like obviously we don't have an offense coordinator, so you don't know what their type might be at receiver. But we know they have Pop. He's going to be someone that they want to continue to develop going forward. Obviously, you get somebody like a Ricky or like a Lad McConkey, who's probably like a situational ex or if you really like the matchup and right. put them on an island and let them go to work, they're probably more of a Z where I keep thinking, if you get some of these guys in like a stack or a bunch with Pop, whew, that's going to be nasty where you can't really get your hands on either guy and they can just go to work with all that space. But they really need an X. They do not have one on the roster. The closest thing they had after Devontae Parker, who only because of how I performed last season, I'm just thinking he's probably not going to be on the team, uh, especially when you consider the effort. If you're trying to reset the culture, I think he's probably somebody that you need to get rid of. Uh, but they don't have anybody else because Keyshawn Booty probably isn't going to be in the NFL or, you know, his situation. I'm not going to make a joke about it. Very unfortunate. Uh, but he is like a true ex. I know his dad even mentioned, and you'll see it in the scouting reports, that he does struggle when it comes to getting off press at the line of scrimmage. That's something he can work on. And you saw at times this week where guys were able to get into his body early. But at the same time, that's something you can improve. And the physicality, another thing his dad pointed out, where you see it in routes. Like, he's not a dude who's going to get bullied. And also, like you said, the high point catch with the guy draped all over him. Also, early on uh, in the low red zone periods, he had 
he went on a slant, I think it was, and then he went on a rip whip route after that, where you saw the hip sink, which you don't really see from guys that tall. He's got some quickness, some suddenness. So if we're talking, you know, scheme fits and what the Patriots might need, I think he'd be a really fun guy for them to get and kind of be that ISO threat. Also somebody who can move inside and be kind of a big slot receiver. I'm trying to think, is there anybody else that really stood out to you? I mean, I just just on Rice, sorry, I'm just like hmm. – I'm. At, do you guys have a comp for him? Like, I'm well, supposed to come up with something. I was just going to say, Daniel Jeremiah uh, comped him today on the broadcast to Michael Pittman, who was, you know, this oh. guy we're talking a lot about who might hit free agency that the Patriots could kind of throw a bag at, one of these bigger X guys, but he can still move a little bit. So that was that was his comp. I found that one interesting. Again, yeah, that's him. actually, that's not bad. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, one other guy I think we have to bring up also, Tez Walker. Just, I don't know what it was. He's been in his head for the past three days. If he wasn't facing contact, he was fine. If guys got their hands on him or he felt somebody like in his hip or something like that, he kept dropping makeable uh, catches. And you see their smoothness and all that. But even when it comes to shedding that contact, he doesn't have very active hands. Like even see a guy like Jamari Thrash, who's a skinnier guy, he's smaller, but he does a good job of making sure that he's not just letting you get into his body easily. And with Walker, I don't know what it is, but I wonder how much it's going to affect his stock because this is the biggest stage he's going to be on until he's drafted. And to some degree, like what Jeremiah was, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about the other day, where the successful young receivers, they're all tough. Like they're very mentally tough, and you, that's a common thread. With him, I don't know how scouts are going to feel about the fact that it wasn't one day, it wasn't two days, it was three days in a row where it seemed like he was psyching himself out and not playing his best football. I'm curious what you guys thought. Brian, you want to hand it off? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah, I think you, you nailed all of it there. It was You saw some of the skills translate from UNC, right? Like the body control sometimes down the field. Like he had – one today, I think, in the back corner of the end zone, which was nice. But yeah, and just once any, anyone, anytime got up and, and bumped them at the line, they were physical with them at the top of the route. It was just like he kind of crumbled. And then even if the ball was coming his way, he just wouldn't finish the drill. And that's from a, a guy who's going to be, you know, he's 6'2, six, 6'3, six, he's going to be your ex, he's going to be your physical downfield threat. That's probably just not what you want to see. So he only played seven, eight games, I think, at, at UNC this year after that transfer eligibility. So this probably was a big week for him. A lot of people said, you know, a good week could bump him maybe into the back end of the first round. So after three iffy days, a lot of it was mental looking, like probably not great for his stock there. Yeah, I'd agree. You Look, it, no, it, you weren't going to have a situation where everybody came in and had a great week. That just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And and I just think he uh, – the, the physicality for a guy that you're expecting to be a physical receiver sometimes doesn't translate into these practices because, you know, they want, and we heard it a lot from the coaches, take care of your teammates. We don't want guys hitting the ground, but at a certain point you got to play your game. And I, I don't know what it was that it didn't translate, but that physical edge you wanted to see from him wasn't there. Do we have breaking news? Breaking news. The Patriots are hiring Alex Van Pelt as their offensive coordinator. What? That came out of absolutely nowhere. Former NFL quarterback and longtime respected assistant, Van Pelt spent the past four seasons as the Browns OC. Now he fills a big spot on Gerard Mayo's staff in New England. What? That is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Are we sure? Yeah. Uh, Tom Pelissero. Yeah. That's official. That is. Oh. I don't. Wait. Okay. Did he delete it? 
because I tried to quote tweet and it didn't I, work. Let's... I see it. It's up. Tom yeah. Palacero. Whoa. Okay. That literally came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, that's really him. Any, anybody want to <laughs> – yeah, let me pull up a little bit of background on him. I feel like that's a name I've seen floated a couple of times. I'll go through his career right now. Um, ah, so it looks like he was with the Packers from 2012 to 2017. He was the running backs coach from 2012 to 2013. Then move on to quarterbacks coach 2014 to 2017 was the Bengals quarterbacks coach from 2018 to 2019 before Dan pitcher. And then he was the offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the Browns. So you get a guy who's got offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach experience, which I do think they need if they're going to bring in a young guy. Um, Interesting because you saw obviously Joe Flacco. You don't know how much a quarterbacks coach has has to do with that, but he had a little emergence there. Um, that's fascinating. Also I just had this Bills. weird brain fart for whatever reason, probably because they played for the Bills at the same time. I, I confused part of the reason I was so confused. I confused Alex Van Pelt with uh Ken Dorsey. Yeah, so that's let me fair. Just, let me let me reset Round here because it's not Ken Dorsey. I thought they just hired Ken Dorsey. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. I've never right, had so they got. Someone with experience, right? He's 53. Right. He's been around yeah. 27 years in the NFL. So yeah. you get an experienced guy to pair with Mayo. And he was he was a former quarterback, right? You, you said that? Yeah, oh, he was a yeah. lot. Yeah, he, yeah. he was the Bills quarterback and the quarterback's coach. starting quarterback, I think, for a while. 95 to 2003 Buffalo Bills quarterback, yeah. That's when he played for them because it was him. Yeah. It was him, Ken Dorsey, and a couple other guys, I think, like rotated. Oh no, he was their backup. One year he was their primary starter. But and he is he hasn't worked with Oh, and Rob Johnson was the other one in there. It's really funny. He's someone who he missed Matt LaFleur and he missed Zach Taylor. So he doesn't have ties to that like uh that coaching tree. That's kind of funny, actually. Well, You'd what... think that they would go that way, but I guess not. I'm blanking. What tree is Stefanski from? Um, he's oh, he's he um, cool. no, he was in Minnesota forever. He's what's his name? Yeah, uh, who's the coach in 2019? Franklin's coach. He, all right, so he was in Minnesota under Brad yeah. Childress, Leslie Frazier, and Mike Zimmer. Hmm, couple great nice. offensive minds, Brad Zimmer <laughs> and Mike um all right so anybody have any <laughs> pressing thoughts any notes this is this is wild I, this, this is a lot to process I, at least I, if it was like kaylee we'd have something to say i, know, I, I really wish it was someone that. they at least interviewed so we had like some some in-depth background knowledge on, on this guy here but i mean yeah i think that the big things were again experienced play caller he's been around a while and he was a former quarterback so if you're bringing in a rookie, a number three overall pick, is something we talked with Zach about. Zach Robinson about, or, or one, some of these other guys they interviewed who were quarterbacks. They played the position. They they know the ins and out, of, and they're going to be in the building to help a, a young guy to come in and kind of fill their shoes. So I don't know. It's out of nowhere, but interesting. It's very interesting. Um. So yeah. Patriots get an experienced play caller. He's been calling plays for four years. That's not nothing. He's been a quarterback's coach for a very long time, has experience as a player. So um, that makes him – that is – makes him now – did DeMarcus, DeMarcus Covington play – did he play in college? Uh, he played like FCS. 
Okay. Well, those are now three coordinators with playing experience. The four years he was at Green Bay, he overlapped with Luke Getze, I believe, 2014 and 2017. So that could be someone else that potentially that's someone who's interviewed. So maybe that's someone they look to kind of add to the staff here. Maybe like a quarterback coach or passing game coordinator or whatever role they want to cook up. That could be something to watch too. I'll say this. And I'm not opposed to the idea of adding a, a quarterbacks coach or pass game coordinator or something like that. But you, you figure it's so interesting because not only did they not talk to him, at least not publicly, of mm. all the people they talked to, he doesn't. It, it was younger guys without OC experience, Shanahan, McVay, Tree, or Detroit, right? Or some sort of West Coast something. He's an older, experienced, and, and they didn't talk to a lot of guys with a quarterback background. It was a lot of tight ends coaches. Mm-hmm. This is an older, experienced coordinator, quarterback guy. It, so I have you have to recalibrate the whole thing. That doesn't mean it's good or bad, by the way. It's just why it's so tough to react to. Yeah. The one thing I'll say is, okay, so they have a quarterback's guy. Maybe you bring in a pass game coordinator, quarterback's coach, whatever. Right. But you figure if you hire somebody like Alex Van Pelt, you're hiring him for a quarterback. And may, that's mm-hmm. not to say they're going to draft a quarterback. Maybe the quarterback they're hiring him for is Mac Jones. Maybe it's Jacoby Brissett. Like, it could be anybody. Maybe it's Jane Daniels. Maybe it's Joe Milton. I don't know. But although I think Alex Van Pelt, if I have the timeline right, Tampa Bay, 10-11. Was he there with Josh Freeman? Josh Freeman. He's Joe Milton. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. But the, that's – ignore that. The point <laughs> being, I actually think the most important staffing hire now is offensive line coach. Yes, agreed. Agreed. I, more so than Can he bring Bill coach. Callahan with him from Cleveland. So that <laughs> is what I was about to say. That yeah, is literally I'm looking what up their staff right now. Yep. Can you get Bill Callahan here? Let's see. Which <laughs> I I doubt it, but it's worth a shot, right? Like, well, there's been some questions about who. Oh, Scott Peters is their assistant offensive line coach, just a name to keep in mind if he wants a promotion or something like that. Why does that sound um, familiar? Yeah, that's Scott sound. Peters. Let's see. Played yeah. seven seasons in the NFL from 2002 to 2009 after being drafted by the Eagles. Um, during his first season with the Browns, he helped the club finish third in the league in rushing. And he helped Jack Conklin earn first team All Pro and Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller earn second team All Pro. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, Sorry to cut you yeah. off. Shadow no, no, no. Peters, Peters is a big guy. Uh, he he uses jujitsu in his training mm. style. And we know that's something kind of the martial arts elements of the offensive line uh, with Joe Kim, right? That's mm-hmm. something. Now, that right. was under Bill. So, but if Gerard Mayo kind of subscribes to that, that belief. Uh, but yeah, that was my first thought was, can we get Bill Callahan here? And looking at the rest of the, the coaching staff, by the way, another guy. Shadow Shea. Well, Chad O'Shea would be interesting. I didn't, they just hired this guy. He, he's like, a, they oh. hired him last month. Uh, Deuce Staley. I was just a big Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley. <laughs> so he's, he's part of, so Ken Dorsey replaced Alex Van Pelt as offensive coordinator. Cause I can't tell the two apart. It's, I, I guarantee you I'm going to write Ken Dorsey at some point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, offensive line coach well, me is now the big one. Also, Kelly Bronson, Bronson, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, is their assistant wide receivers coach. So really, you kind of want to look at the assistant coaches on the staff to see who he might be poaching. So those are a couple names to look out for. Uh, Browns had some pretty good success with their wide receiver position. Uh, I wonder if they bring in, because Nick Haley, I don't even know if he's gotten any interest elsewhere. You think maybe they bring him back as like a run game coordinator or something like that? I don't think so. No. No? One of two things happened, because he was the finalist, right? Mm -hmm. Either... 
he told them no or they told him no? Somebody told sure. somebody no. And I can't imagine that that's going to go over super well. So I – and if you were going to run that offense, like he – you'd think he'd be I, – I, I don't see – I think Kaylee's off the table now. Fair. Do we have any other thoughts on that, or do we just want to wrap up offensive uh, – the offensive positions for the Senior Bowl? Because I'm sure we all have a little bit of writing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we can, yeah, let's run through senior bowl real quick here and then. All right. Yep. So yep. we'll get to offensive tackles real, really quick and wrap it up. Um, so think of some guys that stood out to me. Um, my guy, uh, from Georgia state, um, Tra oh my gosh, Travis, Glover. Travis, Travis Glover. Thank you. I he still look good. He got into a little tussle at one point. Um, and then a coach tried to, you know, calm him down. He was like, yeah, I ain't backing down. I ain't no, mm. Kind of like that toughness out of him. I thought he really stood out, especially like came a day late because he filled in for an injury. Never really had a rep where I was like, ooh, that was ugly. I thought he really held his own. He impressed me. Patrick Paul had a dominant rep um, in one-on-ones where he put somebody on the ground. The next one, his hands were a little high and he lost. But you've seen the flashes from him. It's been inconsistent. He uses that hug technique um, where you kind of expose your chest and you try to get guys around and hope that you can anchor. It's kind of worked for him, kind of hasn't. It's been hit or miss. But, you know, I, I really do think he stood out. And then a couple other guys, uh, Javon Foster from Missouri, had a few losses, but he continued to impress, I thought, overall. And Delmar Glaze out of Maryland had a really good day as well. What did you guys think? I mean, you hit two of mine. I was going to say Travis Glover. I thought he was impressive today. He kind of plays with that mean streak as he saw extend after one of the reps. But um, uh, And Delmar Glaze, too, from Maryland. I think he's got over a 1,000 collegiate snaps at both left tackle and right tackle, so a lot of experience. He's versatile. He played a little guard, I think, throughout the week, too, as well mm -hmm. at yeah, the Senior Bowl. So just, you know, another one of those late-round names because – We'd like a double dip probably at the position if you can get one early and one late. So I thought those two guys ended the ended the practice week strong and could work their way into maybe that double dip range in the end day three. Yeah, I was particularly impressed by Glover. And sometimes for guys like that, it's six six, three seventy, three seventy, three thirty-seven. Um, I think he had thirty-five inch arms, right? And he's got that great motor. Sometimes guys like that, you just put you just need to put enough on tape that a team looks at you and says, look at the makeup, look at the uncoachables, right? Let's just get this guy in the building and see what we can do. I also love 57 games of starting experience over 20 mm -hmm. games at both left tackle and right tackle. And he's played some guard. This to me screams like, cause I, I don't, he's an older guy. There's a jump in, in competition level. And I, I think he mostly is just power. I think he's just mm -hmm. that big overpowering frame, but you get that guy in the sixth, seventh round. He's going to be able to play four sports, four spots for you on the offensive line. He comes in with an NFL ready body, all of that, like swing tackle, Adrian Waddle kind of guy, right? Where you just bring him in and he gives you depth and he's just a good guy to have. You hope you don't need him, but he's a good guy to have just in case. Uh, they've been missing that guy really since they lost Adrian Waddle. So mm -hmm. could Glover be a guy like that? Uh, you know, and I mean, there's, there's a couple guys like that in every draft. That's not to say like they have to get him to fill that role, but Definitely wasn't on my radar. I don't think was on a lot of radars before this week. And he went to the Hula Bowl, came, got a late, uh, late invitation to the Senior Bowl, and and he's he's putting himself on the radar, which is what you want to see. Yeah, Alex, I had to ask you who he was because I saw the name and I was like, wait, this guy's not on the look. Senior Bowl roster. Like, what is going on right well, now? You sent me the picture, so I had to go off the helmet. Yeah. I knew it was Georgia State, and then it said Glover on the back, so I searched it because he he wasn't on the rosters or anything. He they do that sometimes. They they'll call a guy, you know, guys opt out due to injury or this or that or whatever, and. 
uh, hula bowl guys. Sometimes you'll see guys go from the shrine bowl to the senior bowl. Like they look at who stands out at those lower bowls. And sometimes you get a couple of guys that are called up. There's a guy that happened to one of the Patriots. I don't remember who it was, but it's a guy, the Patriots drafted recently. I, I Martin Mapu. Was it Martin Mapu? Oh, I think it might've been. Yeah, I think he's at the Shrine Bowl or something. Who's like, oh, maybe not Hula Bowl, but I know he was a really late addition. Um, okay, it was him, or I want to say it was Sam Roberts, but I don't think Sam Roberts was at the Senior Bowl. I'm not sure. He had a sure. massive week at the Hula Bowl. Oh, I think he was Hula Bowl to Shrine Bowl. Okay. okay, something. Anyway, yeah, it happens from time to time. So you know, you're you're happy for a guy like Glover because again, 57 starts is a guy that's put a lot into it, and now people are kind of seeing the the results of the work he's put in. And he's nasty. I saw some clips on Twitter of him just like finishing, and he's he's really he's fun a to watch. Mean, I mean, he might be a nice guy, but he between <laughs> the whistles, he is a mean sob, and that yeah. that's what you want on the offensive line. Hopefully, new offense coordinator Alex Van Pelt can get a good offensive line coach in here, so you can wait till the fourth or fifth round and get some of these guys who are projects with great physical tools and actually turn them into some quality starters. I see some comments um, in the comment section. We have addressed the Alex Van Pelt side. I actually, just not can we add oh, one yeah. thing to the Alex Van Pelt conversation? Yeah, for As sure. I'm kind of doing some digging. Uh, he was in Green Bay, I believe. Let me double check this. I think he was in Green Bay with Elliot Wolf. Yeah. And oh, that, yeah, 2017. I was I just about to tweet that because I was I found that when they were interviewing Getsy, that was when Wolf was there. And Wolf has obviously been involved in these kind of interviews. So that was a, a third person in Green Bay there. I, I wonder if this was an Elliot Wolf hire. And I, I think it's two things. It's Elliot Wolf, and I think, look, the Browns made the, the playoffs going through four quarterbacks. And that's not to say that the quarterbacks were the one carrying them to the playoffs. You know, Joe Flacco was fine. They obviously had a great defense, but the quarterbacks also didn't blow it, which I think is kind of still going to be the Patriots model, that you're not necessarily going to have, the, the, like, the San Francisco 49ers model, right? The Brock Purdy model. And Van Pelt was able to get that kind of quarterback play out of that group, out of Joe Flacco off the couch, out of DTR. Uh, who was the, who, who the other one who started for them? Um, it was obviously Watson and then... Do you already say Flacco? It was, was it PJ Walker? Yes, he, yes. And I played like, like a game, yeah, and they yeah. switched it up. Yeah. <laughs> he got whatever it was, <laughs> 10, 10 wins out of those guys. Like, yeah. You, you and this isn't like Luke Getze where he was on the staff at the same time as Rodgers and kind of probably just rode the coattails of Nathaniel Hackett. Like this guy was actually in Green Bay for a while with Aaron Rodgers. So that's a lot of very valuable experience that he's got there. So um, again, was did coach running backs from 2012 to 2013, but then switched to quarterbacks from 2014, 2017. Also interesting, he's got a little bit of um, outside experience there, not just quarterbacks, but the vast majority of his coaching resume and playing resume, obviously, is at the quarterback position. Uh, anything you guys want to throw in before we get out of here? Um, I So are, are they a West Coast team now? I guess. I think so, right? I got to watch some tape. <laughs> I, I look th again, the Browns quarterbacks last year, I'll run through it. And I don't know, maybe this is me just trying to come to terms with it, but they actually started five quarterbacks, not four. I missed one. Joe Flacco, Deshaun Watson, DTR, PJ Walker, Jeff Driscoll snuck a start in there okay. and threw two touchdowns. He also threw two picks, but he threw two touchdowns. Those are their five quarterbacks. Uh, uh, Watson for six games, Flacco for five, DTR for three, PJ Walker for two, Jeff Driscoll for one. They were 10th in the league in scoring. So That's not bad. That's pretty damn now, good. They got to go get their version of Amari Cooper. And Certainly. Nick Chubb was hurt. Oh, and they didn't, yeah, they didn't have Nick Chubb mm -hmm. the whole season. 
They got go injuries get... on the offensive line too. Not yes, Jedrick Wills. Jedrick Wills got guards, hurt. They were in and they had a lot of injuries. They were in and out all all up front. So Scott Peters, so just an offensive well, line coach. So look, I'd say this: <laughs> tight end driven offense. Mm-hmm. They they got the resurgence of David Njoku. He looked like he was going to be a bust, and the last couple of years he was pretty good. They got to get their version of Amari Cooper. I think they got to go out and get a guy like that. Um, you're going to need support pieces around the quarterback. And this is nothing new, but I think this kind of, I don't know, I've seen some people sort of tweeting this out. I'm not saying it means, okay, so the Patriots interviewed Van Pelt today. So this kind of came together uh, that was fast. quickly. Must have been yeah. impressive. <laughs> Again, somebody <laughs> said no to someone at some point. I truly believe that. Um what was I saying? I, I Let me ask you guys before I give this take. Not saying this is the ultimate determining factor in this, but now, Alex Van Pelt's your OC. Mac Jones, more likely to be back? Does this news make you feel like it's more likely he's back or less likely he's back? Because I'm kind of leaning more. Really? I'm, yeah. I don't really know how much it changes things. I think that I, I, I Again, stand by the like, fact that this is such like, a high pick. Slight, I really don't know because they like they they brought in a quarterback fixer. Yeah, I mean, you have the number three pick. You can fix a you can fix a quarterback with a way higher floor and a higher ceiling. I still I I still think they're going to take a quarterback. Let me say that. Mm -hmm. But if I was like ten percent, Mac Jones is going to be back when we started this show. Twenty. I was going to say like 12 or 13, like slight, (laughs) slight. you got to get a magnifying glass to really see the needle move, but the needle did move a little bit in that direction for me. Um, I am curious how you guys, cause that's, it's going to be a a part of this conversation. It's going to be a question. Taylor, it sounds like you think it makes it less likely he's back. If anything, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of just not moved. I think you're in the same spot you were in where you have a top three pick. You're hoping you never get a top three pick again. You might as well shoot for a quarterback who's much more dynamic. Let me rephrase the question because this is half Patriots beat, so we're going to use my Patriots beat philosophy. <laughs> Nobody cares what we would do, right? We're what not the one do? making the decision. It's our job yeah. to say what we think they will do. Reading the tea leaves, what do you think this move tells you about the conversations inside the building regarding Mac Jones? Well, they could go get their juiced-up Amari Cooper and Marvin Harrison Jr. and then have their Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, and Mac Jones, right? Yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, at the same time, I... I think the biggest determining factor in that is how Mac is seen on a personal level in the building. Like, okay. yeah, you can fix the skill set. We already know that Mac is somebody that like you can win games with, be surrounded by talent and they have the draft capital to do that, of course. But at the same time, there have been reports that indicate that, you know, maybe he rubbed people the wrong way a little bit with the, you know, the bravado and the overconfidence that wasn't really justified. And we know that the quarterback room wasn't the healthiest spot. Also Jacoby Brissett. I think it increased the likelihood that maybe he comes back because he obviously was with the Browns with Van Pelt. So there's a little something there. Maybe he can massage the quarterback room a little bit and kind of bring back some good vibes. I don't know. But with Mac Jones, if we're talking about whether it increases or decreases the chances, for me, the determining factor is something that we do not know for sure. But what we do know based on reports is that, you know, maybe personally he he did sour some people, but Gerard Mayo did make it clear that, you know, he's not fully off the table and that maybe they will still want to work with him. So it's an interesting conversation for sure, but I I just don't know on a personal level whether or not people are still bought into the Mac Jones experience. I, I, it's, I just think it's going to be part of the conversation. Certainly not the whole mm-hmm. conversation. Again, I still think they should take a quarterback, but uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm with you. I, I'm still taking a quarterback, but uh, I will say Mike Reese tweeted like three minutes ago, just source from either most recent. He said most recently with the Browns, Alex Van Pelt or one source says great football mind, very relatable to players as a former player. So, you know, another one of these former player guys who, who comes in and he says his system has been based in West coast, but multiple influences. So yeah, I guess Jeff we'll said something kind of similar uh, West Coast system, but has versatility due to his background. Great person who can establish a positive offensive culture. Also a big thing with the Browns identity, a very diverse run scheme. So that maybe affects how they see the offensive line. I still am not of the mindset that you get rid of Mike and Wenu because you want to like run outside zone. I think with Mike and Wenu, you can still run wide zone and be fine. And plus with the Browns, they catered their run scheme to the running back. So Nick Chubb, it was a whole lot of like actual outside zone where you're trying to get to the perimeter and use his speed and his explosiveness. And then when it was Kareem Hunt, they used a ton of gap scheme. So it, he's not the run game coordinator, but still you have to work together in that capacity when you're building plans and things like that. So they do want to be diverse probably in the run game. Like I said, frankly, there are some overlaps with the Kyle Shanahan offense. You got the West Coast passing game, uh, the run scheme where it's a lot of heavy personnel. They, you know, they use a ton of like use three tight ends on the wing with one wide receiver. Uh, they do like that kind of style. So if you're kind of looking at, OK, well, if you're trying to shift towards maybe more of a Shanahan style or McVay style where you at, it probably leans more towards Shanahan, even though he also uses more gap scheme over the past couple of years and people have really given him credit for. Uh, but personnel wise, we know the Niners, they love multiple tight ends. They love using the fullback and the Browns. They don't really have a fullback on the roster, but they use their tight ends as kind of hybrid fullback. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But again, the versatility is there. Honestly, this seems like a great hire. It came out of nowhere, but the more I'm seeing about him, the more of this is great, especially on a really young coaching staff where the offense is the unit that really needed the most fixing as opposed to the defense where you already had Gerard Mayo, DeMarcus Covington, and Steve Belichick as the big leaders on that side. And now you just remain retain continuity. Obviously, Jeremy Springer is a younger guy on the special teams unit. But, you know, like we said earlier, he's still a bit of an unknown. So let me ask you, uh, let me ask you one more here before we wrap it up. Who's a better fit for the Alex Van Pelt offense, Jane Daniels or Drake May? I mean, we saw him use Deshaun Watson. So I again, it's the versatility. I really, I don't mean to give a cop out answer, but I think no, it's it's a it's a real answer. Both. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's exciting. Where if you're talking about Jake, okay, so I don't think Drake May is as scheme specific. I think that he can throw yeah. outside, he can throw over the middle, he can open up your run game a little bit. Whereas Jaden Daniels, I think early in his career, you do want to lean into his rushing ability. I haven't watched a ton of Browns film, so I don't know just as how much Deshaun Watson did that, especially because he was dealing with injury. Uh, but he has experience with someone with that Deshaun Watson skill set of, yeah, he is also a running threat. So, yeah, I would just say that at least you know that this is someone where regardless of who they pick, with that burst, with that number three pick, um, it's somebody that he could probably build a scheme to maximize their talents. I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We are going to get to writing and getting some intel and figuring out what's going on with the Patriots offense. Uh, hey guys, what do you have coming out down the pipeline? I know I got one more senior bowl position preview tomorrow. I'm going to be looking at edge defenders um, and clearly going to have uh, quite a few things about Alex Van Pelt coming as well. Yeah, it's going to be reactions, I think. A lot of reactions. Yeah. yeah, I'll have one more senior bowl thing tomorrow. Maybe one after the game, too, on Pat's pulpit. But, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of offensive coordinator talk now going forward. Fun stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 